So here's the thing. I want to start by having us look at Luke uh, 17. And you can just follow along there in your handout. If you've got your Bible, your Bible app, that'll work as well. But uh, this is how I want to launch into the new series. And it says in, in verse 11 that on the way to Jerusalem, he, that would be Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And this, this, this is a, a, you know, you can kind of see where the region is. You see where Samaria is in relation to Judea in the south and Galilee in the north, Sea of Galilee, such a part of the early part of Jesus' ministry. Of course, everything ends in Jerusalem, in Judea. But sandwiched in between these two locations, these two regions, Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, you had Samaria. And so Jesus was in Samaria, and he entered into a village. And we're told in this 12th verse, and you can see it for yourself, that as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, leprosy was, and you'll see this come up in the Bible. When you read the Bible, leprosy comes up at different times because it was a, a very real part of the ancient world. Leprosy is a disease that is not as common now as it was. It's actually not been completely eliminated. There are still regions of the world where leprosy exists. Uh, the primary area that it exists today, though in much more modest numbers, is actually in India. But uh, it's, it's a disease that, for the most part, has been eradicated. And one of the things um, we know about it, and they didn't know it then, uh, was that, and again, these band of lepers that were yelling out to Jesus had no doubt heard about his healing abilities. And so they had, they had come to uh, see if, if there was a way that they could, they could be healed by Jesus. And we know what they didn't know then, that leprosy is caused by actually a slow-growing type of bacteria called uh, Microbacterium leprae, hence leprosy. It's also known as Hansen's disease because in 1873, I believe it was a Norwegian doctor, um, Hansen discovered it uh, under a microscope. And the leprosy, and I was reading an article on this just as a backdrop, leprosy is terrified, the article says, humanity since ancient times and was reported as early as 600 BC in India and China and in Egypt. Hansen's disease, leprosy, is still a major health problem in many parts. It's less so now of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. For many centuries, leprosy was considered a curse of God, often associated with sin. It, didn't, it did not kill, but neither did it seem to end. Instead, it lingered for years, causing the tissues to degenerate and deform the body. Many, many have thought leprosy to be a disease of the skin because that was the outward thing that people would notice. But it's actually better classified as a disease of the nervous system because the, the leprosy bacterium attacks the nerves. And its symptoms, it's, the article suggests it starts in the skin and peripheral nervous system outside the brain and the spinal cord, and then it spreads to other parts such as the hands, the feet, the face, and the earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of skin and, hand, and, and bones and the twisting of limbs and the curling of fingers that form the characteristic claw, hand, and facial changes include the thickening of the outer ear and the collapsing of the nose, which is why lepers would often clothe themselves in ways that they wouldn't be seen. Tumor-like growths called uh, lepromas may form on the skin 
and the respiratory tract and the optic nerve may de 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 deteriorate so that they lose their sight as well. The largest numbers, uh, though, of deformities, this is an interesting side note, the largest numbers of deformities uh, from the, uh, actually developed from the loss of pain sensation due to extensive nerve damage. For example, a person with leprosy, as it advances into their system, can pick up a, a boiling, can literally touch a kettle that is hot to the point of boiling that you and I would immediately drop because pain would shoot through us. But the leper would not feel that pain sensation. And so many of their injuries and many of the, the infections that were developed were developed because they couldn't tell, actually, because they felt no pain. And so things would develop and their body would deteriorate in a number of ways. It was also considered highly contagious, and it was. And so what would happen is that it was really a scourge for the ancient world. It was a formidable and merciless disease with sociological and psychological ramifications. Sociologically, lepers were put outside because they were contagious. So they had to live in colonies. In fact, if um, you, know, you, you go to Hawaii still, um, one of the, the, the small, I think it's Molokai, uh, there was a, 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 an infamous leper colony on Molokai. And they were ostracized from society, even at that period, um, not, not that long ago. Uh, and the psychological ramifications of being a leper, who, who can imagine that? I mean, you were, you were cut off from your family, your friends, and society. Literally, wherever you went, you had, to, you had to yell out these words in the times of Jesus, unclean, and be at a distance always. And so that, that's something to be aware of. And, and so the leper was, was an outcast. To be, to be a, a leper was to be ostracized as untouchable. And this is how you were defined. This is how were you defined. I am a leper. And now with that in mind, look at the verse again. Look at the passage. It says that the, ten, that the lepers were there um, and they had uh, stood at a distance, 10 lepers, as Jesus was entering this village. Verse 12, they stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Evidently, they had heard of the healer's compassion and, and power. They had heard of Jesus' compassion and power. And that had been the rumor. And they believed it, that he healed people. And the word had spread. And so from a distance, they cried the prayer that we all must pray, actually. Lord, have mercy on me. And it says that at, when he saw them, he, he said to them, go, go, and show yourselves to the priests. And it says, and the Bible says it so succinctly, and they went, and they were cleansed. I tried to imagine that moment, right? They moved in faith. And a, a key phrase, as they went, is the key. As they went, as they went was the key. Somewhere along the way, as they moved on his word, as they, they made their way towards the priests, towards the temple, towards the place where they would show themselves, they, as somewhere along the way, and I, don't, I tried to imagine it, because again, you read it in the pages, but they, they talked to each other, and, and they weren't at that moment healed. So the very action of going in the direction that Jesus told them to go as, as they moved along, 
It says as they moved along, I don't know where it was. We're not told. At what point was it? Was it just a little ways? Was it midway? Was it near the end? Somewhere along the way, their bodies started to obviously have some type of a, of a physical dynamic that they must have felt because it was a nervous disease. And I don't know. We don't know. We're not told to what degree the, these, these men, men had been evidently Affected. We don't know the stages they were in. What we do know is that the Bible says that as they made their way, as they moved along, as they made their way, that along, as they walked, as Jesus had told them to, that, they, that something happened and they began to see. Perhaps it was their hand for the first time that they noticed that they started to see something begin to, to clear up. Maybe it was their face. Maybe the other one saw the other one. But that moment of... of, of having their body and their skin transformed must have been stunning. Again, tr- we, we, I think we underestimated what that would have been like. I mean, t- today we have some technology, plastic surgery and skin grafts and the capacity to do wonderful things with the human body that's injured and scarred and burned. But this advanced surgery the rearrangement of the very body that Jesus did by the power of his creative word that reconstructed them on the spot as they moved and what they were restored to, it must have been like the skin of a baby. Our skin as adults gets older. We, we just had a grandbaby, grandson. One of the things that's remarkable when you're around a baby is you realize how soft that skin is, that new skin that's been covered. And when it comes out in this world, it, 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 it's so tender. And I, I think that the new skin they were given was like that. And we're, we're told something. And, 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 just, I wanna, and for those of us who are engaging it and taking notes, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna put this up, and, and that is this, that faith, and again, I do this because I love the fact that some of us actually whether we're putting it in our phone or we're, we're which is always a challenge because make sure you, you're not doing other stuff while we're, I mean, so it's good. To, but it's hard. It's hard to discipline ourselves. I know what that's like. And, and, but whether we're writing it down, that's why we give you a lot of note space. But the idea is to hold on to a word. And so one of the things we're t- we really understand here is faith is moving on his word, you guys. Our, our healing, listen to me, and I found this to be true in my life as well, our solution is often comes as we move in obedience and faith. Their healing came as they moved in obedience and faith, as they moved along the way. You see it. Go and, as they went there, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went in obedience and trust, they were cleansed. I, I, I think that... that you and I can, should understand that there might be some situations we're facing where we're not exactly sure what to do. We're not exactly sure how we're going to get better here. We're not exactly sure the decision we need to make. In either case, I want to I put this out that we need to exercise faith, and faith is moving on his word in the direction we sense he's calling us towards, and we walk in obedience and trust and watch what he does as he unfolds things before us as we are responding to him. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's like sometimes we, we say, well, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, what, 
what I don't know the whole story of this. I don't know how all the healing is going to work, but I know that we are, we are to respond to what we know he's asking of us. And as we respond to that, watch how God works miracles. He walks, works miracles in the body. He can work miracles relationally. He can work miracles uh, and, and do, do wonders uh, in situations that look absolutely hopeless. And I'm not saying that every time everything is going to work exactly the way we wanted it to go. But I am saying is we open up the possibility of God to do amazing things when we walk in obedience and trust on the, and to his words. To his words. Look at that. And then we're told, look at verse 15 again. So something else happened, though. So they're all, they all get, they, I can imagine their excitement. We're going to, let's go, unbelievable. They're going to show themselves to the priests. And what's going to happen is they are going to be welcomed. They're going to be inspected. And they're going to be welcomed back into society. That's what's going to They're going to see their families, not, not from a distance, for the first time in who knows how long. They'll see them face to face. They're going to be brought back into, it's a moment that is almost unfathomable for us. But as that was happening, as they were making their way in their excitement to, the, to show themselves to the priests, as Jesus has said, it says that one of them, something happened. Then one of them, look at that, 15th verse. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, did something that the, the other nine did not do. He turned back, it says. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. <laughs> he was so overwhelmed in gratitude, listen, that he disobeyed. He said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, I've read this passage for many years. I, I probably have taught it different times, teaching through the book of Luke, different messages along the way, refer to it. It never dawned on me that he actually disobeyed Jesus. You say, what do you mean? Because I, he, he couldn't help it. He was told to go. What was he told to do? Go and show yourself to the priests. But what did he, he didn't get there. The others did, but he turned around. He was so overwhelmed. He couldn't help it. So overwhelmed in gratitude that he turned around and evidently ran back to Jesus, threw himself at his feet and started giving thanks. Look what it says in verse 16. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And then we're told, and now he was a Samaritan. That is, he was technically an outcast to the Jewish people. Like Jews and Samaritans didn't get along so well, but it seemed, would it seem that their common plight as lepers had joined them together, and the, the Samaritan threw his, himself at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus answered, Whoa, where, were there not ten of you? Where are the nine? What? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? That's how it's translated out. The double outsider. The one who would have had the most justification for going his separate way was the one whose heart was overflowing with gratitude with a good thing. And again, I can't try to imagine that moment. He's so overwhelmed that while the rest of them go, he turns around and he makes his way and he starts running and praising God and he gets back to Jesus and he, in front of everybody, throws himself down at the feet of Jesus. And I love that. I love the, I love the image of it in my mind. The hands, 
Heel hands touching the feet and the face. Tears flowing down. And Jesus is touched. His comment is, Why? Where are your friends? You the only one that came back to say thanks? Oh, wow. And, he's, and then Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Look at that. Your faith has made you well. It's an invitation he makes to all of us. And this is a teaching that rightly centers on faith. But what we, what we want to steer it towards is giving and gratitude. So I do want to throw one caveat out there. One more thought to be aware of. I couldn't help it. I feel like I have to say it. At least I need to. And that is, let us not miss the gift of pain. What? You know, one, uh, I, I was reading again because I was doing a lot of research on this. I, I read about a, a very famous uh, Christian physician. That's how I would describe Dr. Paul Brand. He's, he's no longer uh, alive, but he was a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, and his specialty was leprosy. And uh, his work, and you, you can check it out, you can, you can Google the man's name, Dr. Paul Brand, who's a hero to many people, one of those unsung heroes that you never hear about, but a brilliant man who gave his life to bless others. And um, one of the things that happened is with, with leprosy patients that uh, he, he talked about, it was, well, it was his work with leprosy patients that illustrated in part the value of sensing pain in this world. Because I alluded to earlier, the leprosy bacillus uh, destroys nerve endings that carry pain signals. And therefore, patients with advanced leprosy experience a total loss of physical pain. And when these people cannot touch, uh, sense touch or pain, they tend to injure themselves or be unaware of injury that is caused by an outside agent. The writer went on to suggest that studying leprosy help us, helps us see why pain is a valuable gift. A survival mechanism to warn, warn us of danger in this world. Without pain and suffering, we might be like people who have leprosy, unable to recognize that something is terribly wrong and that we need the healing touch of God. As Dr. Brand said, this is what he said. I cannot think of a greater gift that I could give my leprosy patients than pain. You think about what he said. Like if I could give them any gift, aside obviously from their complete healing, he says I would give them the gift of pain because it's the one sensation that he knew created more advancement of their situation than anything. They could not feel pain. And let's not be too quick to remove pain in our lives, whether it's physical, emotional, social, or spiritual pain. I mean, our first tendency is to try to find a way to not have that pain. And of course, if we're not careful, um, in our rush away from our pain, we can get ourselves into trouble. Uh, many times our attempts to cover our pain actually end up creating more pain in our lives, right? And so one of the things we need to do is remember that, as C.S. Lewis suggested, that God often, often uses pain as his megaphone to get our attention. 
Like, that was, you know, God's mega, it's, pain is often God's megaphone to get our attention. It's one of the things that causes us to, the leper's pain caused them to turn to Jesus. And may our pain, and I don't know what it really is, but may, it, may our pain, though unwelcomed, do the same. If it does, it actually becomes, in some, some mysterious way, a gift to us. You say, what? Yes, that is what I'm saying. I found it to be true in my life as well. At the places of greatest intimacy and the greatest understanding of his love and grace occur out of the context of pain. I do not want pain, but let us, when it happens, embrace it as the opportunity to bring us closer to God and hear things more clearly in our lives that we would not have heard without it. Another thing I want to mention here is that we are called to, as they were, rise up in faith and go our way as one made well, living in, and I'll put this up, living in the gratitude and the fullness of life. I know this is a long thing to write, but happy. I, I, I just, I, what I'm trying to say here is this is the other aspect of rising up in faith. It's like, how are we to position ourselves? And what we're saying is we are to see ourselves as one made well and, and exercise gratitude, right? Living, we are to live in gratitude as a way of life in Christ and fullness of life. That we are uh, to be, I know, uh, a happy people as much as possible because we have experienced his healing word in our lives. That this is the will of Christ for you and me. Not to be locked up in bitterness or anger or fear or resentment, but to be living as free people in the goodness and grace of God, come what may how even pain itself becomes a mechanism of blessing so that there is nothing, as Paul would later say, that can separate me from the love of God. Even the worst becomes the best in Christ if I turn it in the right direction. You see that? You see how profound a truth that is? Let us never forget that spiritually, you and me, we're all born lepers. And the Lord has made us well. For all we like sheep have gone astray and turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the sin of us all. That he has cleansed us, renewed us. So one of the things we must always be is grateful for so great a salvation as this. Like I have a Lord who loved me enough to save me. Right? He loves us. He loves us. Grateful. I thought, what are the things I could be grateful for, Lord? because of your touch in my life, the obvious one is salvation, which means I have a promise that is yet to come, a promise of what is yet to be, a promise also of your presence and your friendship here in this life. Think about that, how grateful I am for a promise that extends beyond this world but also a promise that while I am in this world, I have his presence and I have his friendship. Think about that how grateful we should be for these things, and also grateful for the promise of wholeness and the promise of healing. Hear me out. One of the things that happens when we really let the Lord have his way in our life is just like the leper, we get new skin. And that skin that was healed was tender skin. It was new skin. And the Lord does that in us too. He wants to give us new skin. Spiritually speaking, new skin, tender tender skin, right? That the tenderness of God would break us. 
the tenderness of God would become preeminent in our lives, that it would overwhelm everything. Like we have a pretty angry culture right now, and maybe we have our own angry things, voices from within, but the tenderness of God breaks us. The, the new, Lord, give us new skin. Lord, give us a new skin on the inside. Right? Heal us. Heal us. Heal us. Keep healing us. Um, this is the gift we have. I was sitting with this, and I was kind of overwhelmed with gratitude last night as I was reviewing the message. And as I've been doing lately, I just decided to write a little poem, and I want to share it with you because for me it became like, I call it a leper's prayer of gratitude, but really I felt it was, in some ways, I'm the leper. So here it is. And the grateful soul, and think about how it interweaves with the leper who was healed. And the grateful soul, as such possessed, can give to you nothing less than the pledge of love I now confess. A gift received, though not deserved, no longer bound, but now complete, for my shame is gone at the healer's feet. Fallen away like melted snow, I come to you so that you may know, truly know, with untamed thanks and a grateful heart, with tender hands and a tender heart, and tears of joy flowing down my face, cleansed anew and caught by grace, drops on the dirt, how can it be that you spoke the words and set me free? No friend of yours but the mercy cry, what can I give? I give you me. And I think it was that opening and the grateful soul, I'll just go back to that one more time, and the grateful soul as such possessed can give to you nothing less than the pledge of love I now confess. That is what I want to give back to him. That's what I believe was happening here. You know what it says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18? It says that in everything we are to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Like this is the, in everything gives thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is to be our, what a great opportunity we have at this time of the year to confess our love and our gratitude. We get to decide where our focus is going to be. But do we understand how much we are loved and how we have been given healing in his name? I have new skin in my heart because of him. New skin in my heart because of him. I love that. I love that. The grateful soul is such possessed can give to you nothing less than the pledge of love that I now confess. Here's the thing. One more thing, and we'll leave it here. Don't forget this as we close. Jesus noticed gratitude. It mattered to him. It mattered to him. One of the things that you, you have to check here is that, and I, I go, well, you know, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this because when he responds in that moment, he does acknowledge the giving of thanks, but he also makes a point, and I, I would like to run past it, but I can't. He also makes a point to say, where are your friends? Where are the nine? Where are the other nine? Even if they had gotten healed, they didn't seem to come back. He noticed the one who came, and he noticed the ones who didn't. Thank you matters. Gratitude matters. Expressed Thank you matters, gratitude matters, expressed gratitude matters. Verbalized gratitude matters. Where are the nine? 
Let's be like the one. You and me, like the one. Numbered. And what did the one do? He returned and he gave him praise and he expressed his love and he humbled himself and he said, thank you. And he praised God. And that's, that's what we want to be. That one, that's what we want to be number, not, among, not the nine. They got the, I want to be with the one. That's the one. And that's what we're being invited. May the Lord uh, give us, you know, may the Lord put it in our heart to give thanks to him this entire season that's coming. Do you understand in the rhythm of the way that our year is formed, we have an opportunity right now sitting before us in the next five, five weeks. We have such an opportunity. The very, our, our culture itself with all of its disconnects is still going to take time to pause. I've already seen it in my own eye. Christmas is everywhere, good or bad, commercialization. One thing I know is that I hear the name of Jesus in a whole lot way, more ways than I would in other times. And it's an opportunity and a reminder. Do you understand what a wonderful opportunity this is? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to be like the one. I want to be like the one. I want to tell the Lord how much I love him, how, how thankful I am. So in this Thanksgiving is coming this week. We choose to position ourselves with gratitude. That's good. Do you know how good that is? Instead of focusing on flaws and wanting what's wrong and nurturing offense, keep my heart clean and pure and grateful, thankful. Push back against that stuff that wants me to, to always focus on what isn't going well or what that person didn't do, but instead remind myself of how much I'm loved in God, how blessed I am with people in my life, friends, family. Yes, what God has given us, a church, a community to call my own. And then take that thankfulness. And, and I would say that even if we can't make it to the Lord's house on Thanksgiving morning, which I understand, but pause some time during that day. Download that rise and shine and just for a minute, stay connected. And remember that, that you know what? We are called to be thankful and grateful. And it, listen, it matters to the Lord. And listen to me, one more thing. Carry that through Thanksgiving all the way to the end of the year. Carry it. Carry it all the way. In the, because is there anything that we can be more thankful for than in the still of night, not one faint hope, hope in sight, God, you know, tender. He, he laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo to win my soul. I mean, is there anything more beautiful as a gift from God than Jesus? God gave him to us. And we give, and we bless, and we live with hope, and we live enwrapped, wrapped up in his goodness, right? All the, that is to be our way, grateful. Listen, grateful through Thanksgiving all the way into Christmas and then the gift of a new year, if the Lord so allows it to be. And how do we choose to enter it? We have, we have weeks to prepare. What a beautiful opportunity Giving and gratitude. How good is this? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Let me close out. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share and to be able to mark this moment and set the spot where the journey begins 
through Thanksgiving into Christmas, but into this new year. Lord, I thank you for the illustration of gratitude and thankfulness, and I know it matters to you. So we choose to set our heart in the direction of gratitude as I, I do it myself. And I pray that for all my friends and brothers and sisters. Uh, I ask that we would not be in a, in a hurry. We just settle our hearts. Even now, as we have a quick time of giving, we also ask for you to be with us in our closing song. Thank you for the time we just shared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.